Funding for the muck is provided by the Moyen AB Foundation, Lumos Strategies, and individuals like you from our listening audience. For more information about the muck, visit www.welcometothemuck.com. Chapter 5. The Abaguchi. The investigation into the nature and causes of the so-called twin tragedy took less than a month. The medical cause of Natalie and Nicole Unseld's death was easily determined. They died from poisoning, a result of exposure to the harsh, toxic chemicals from verdant processing that seeped into the Buckhannon River. Assigning blame for the tragedy, however, proved much more challenging. State and federal laws are fairly straightforward with respect to civil penalties for parties involved in an environmental catastrophe. Negligent or intentional release of hazardous chemicals into a common waterway can lead to significant fines. But this case, the twin tragedy, it involved the deaths of two people. Prosecutors sought a greater penalty. The public, it seemed, demanded it. So it was no surprise when the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of West Virginia announced that she was exploring the possibility of criminal penalties against Gregory Verdant. In theory, it seemed like a solid case, but as Gregory Verdant knew full well, given his scientific background, theory and practice are two entirely different animals. Ultimately, given the tenuousness of her case, perhaps more a result of Verdant's creative and agile attorneys than anything else, it was rumored that rather than risking the case before a jury, always unpredictable and politically risky, she'd settle for a plea bargain. In exchange for a guilty plea on multiple charges of civil and criminal negligence, Verdant would assume responsibility for the spill, pay several hundred thousand dollars in fines for restoration and ongoing environmental surveillance, perform 250 hours of community service, and serve two years of probation. For someone who was arguably, at least in some sense, responsible for the accidental deaths of the two young, unsold twins, this punishment on its face may not seem to fit the crime. However, my research into similar cases of criminal culpability for environmental crimes suggests this punishment meets or exceeds the norms, even in those cases that involved injury and death. This suggests that any ire for the U.S. attorney on this case is misdirected. We reached out to her for comment, but she now lives in a different state and declined our invitation to tell her side of the story. Which brings us to the events of October 23rd, 1998. Having negotiated an allegedly generous plea deal with the federal government, Verdant was scheduled to formalize the agreement in the federal courthouse in Elkins, West Virginia, on the morning of October 23, 1998. The venue is roughly a 30-minute drive from Buckhannon, slightly larger and in some respects thought of as a rival neighboring town of sorts. Verdant's attorneys, representatives from the U.S. Attorney's Office, and the presiding judge all arrived and presented themselves accordingly. But the defendant, Gregory Verdant, was a no-show. Five minutes. 15 minutes, one hour. As the time passed, the anxiety grew. A flurry of phone calls, voicemails, and then the home visits. Still nothing. 
More surprisingly, no sign of him existed at all. His vehicle still in the driveway, doors locked and undisturbed. It was as though Gregory Verdant had literally vanished into thin air. It was over 15 years ago, the last time that anyone ever laid eyes on Gregory Verdant. The missing person investigation ensued, Verdant's disappearance was even profiled in the now-defunct television show America's Most Wanted, but no trace of his whereabouts ever emerged. Much speculation in the immediate aftermath of Verdant's disappearance focused on the father of the two deceased children, John Wesley Unseld. A pipe fitter by trade, Wes was understandably reclusive after the tragedy of his daughter's passing. After Gregory Verdant went missing, Wes became a ghost. Over the past month, my producers and I made several attempts to contact John Wesley Unseld about Verdant's disappearance. I personally mailed Mr. Unseld a handwritten letter to his last known physical address, pleading with him as humbly as I could to tell us his side of the story. My letter arrived unopened last week, marked return to sender. I want to believe that our failed attempts to contact Mr. Unseld are due to grief. After all, nobody ever imagines having to bury their own children, least of all being asked to revisit the tragedy in an interview some 15 years later. How'd their father take the news? Man lost everything. How do you think he took it? But I can't shake the feeling that Wes Unseld knows something about what happened to Gregory Verdant. Then again, I can't shake the feeling that everyone in this town knows something. For instance, from the original case file, when questioned by investigators of his whereabouts, Verdant's neighbor claimed ignorance. Quote, where's Verdant? I don't know. Maybe he left. Maybe he got killed. Hell, maybe the Abaguchi got him. Unquote. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard me correctly. The Abaguchi. So tell me, what's the uh, Abba... Abaguchi? Yeah. Abaguchi. A laborer at the Centennial Motel named Randy filled me in on the nature of this peculiar bit of local lore. Gucci's a creature, man. Burn things and shit. Mess you up, boy. It's like a wolf. It's like a wolf screwed a bobcat that mated with a rabid Sasquatch. In my travels in and around the north central region of West Virginia, I came across multiple references to the legend of the Abaguchi. Though its reputation seems to have diminished over the past decade, the creature is in many ways reminiscent of similar traditions from other cultures. When something inexplicable happens in a community, the locals will point to a supernatural creature, such as the Abaguchi, as culprit. It's a colloquial manner of explaining the unexplained. As time marches on, though, and as key figures from the time of Verdant's disappearance pass away or move on, the Abaguchi is becoming uh, an increasingly prominent suspect in this mystery. It's a matter which I will explore further in my next installment. All in due time. This is Albert Edwin Carter from Buckhannon, West Virginia, inviting you to join me next time on The Muck. <laughs>